Good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA. It's great to be here with you guys today here in Arlington and to be with you guys over in Leesburg who are watching us on the screen right there, wherever it is that you're watching from online. We are wrapping up, as we said, a four-part series called I Want to Know. And what we've been doing, if you're just tuning in for the first time for the past three weeks, we've been looking at four common questions that I hear all the time and I think people ask all the time. And if we're honest, even us who are in the church, we wonder about the answers to these questions. We've been asking questions or answering questions like, why should I go to church if there's so many bad Christians? Why should I go to a place full of hypocrites and a place where everyone says one thing and does something else? Why should I believe in Christianity as the right religion? Like, how do we know it's right? There's so many other religions out there. How do I know this is the right one? Or last week, what we looked at is, how can you expect me to believe in something that contradicts science? Okay, and we looked at that last week. And what I, the reason why we're doing this series is because I said is I see that many people today, unfortunately, are walking away from the church and from God and from Christianity, and I think for the wrong reason. I think because they're getting bad answers to good questions, because I think people are asking fact-based questions and getting faith-based answers. And in case you're sitting there and saying, okay, well, that's not me. I'm here in church today and I'm here listening and I'm not walking away. I kind of see it as there's really two options in life. There is God or there is no God. These are the two options in life. So I see it as everyone is somewhere on the spectrum there between God and no God. And any step away from God is a step towards a life with no God. Any step away from the church, the eternal family of God, it's a lot of echo in here, I think, yeah. Any step, and I'm still getting warmed up here. I'm gonna start screaming even louder, so you definitely may want to turn the thing. Okay, any step away from God or away from his eternal family is a step towards orphanhood or is a step towards atheism in that sense. So I see it as you may not say, you may say, well, I didn't leave God, but I'm saying during this past time, a lot of people just inched a little bit away from him and distanced himself away. Because like I said, we're asking good questions. And I think oftentimes we as a church, we're not given good answers. So that's where this series is coming from, because I think this is a tragedy. If somebody leaves God for the right reasons, like I said before, I will shake your hand and I will say, good job for you if you left for the right reasons. But people aren't leaving for the right reasons. People are leaving because they're getting bad information. People are leaving because they're getting answers to questions like, yeah, you better, uh, you have to believe in a, a six, the world is only 3,000 years old or 4,000 years old. And if you don't believe in that, then you can't be a Christian. People are getting bad information or people are being told that, yeah, if you pray, then God will answer every one of your prayers. So then all of a sudden you pray and you don't get an answer. You're like, uh-oh, this Christianity thing must not be for me. Either it's, either it's not a, a legit thing or it's just not for me. Or you're told that, you know what, if you're good and you behave and you go to church, nothing bad will ever happen to you. So we're getting bad information, and I think that's why a lot of times people are leaving. Or, if we're honest, let's be frank, is I think sometimes we leave because people inside the church hurt us. And oftentimes, I'm taking ownership of this, okay? I'm saying people dress like me. People dress like me with positions and titles hurt people. But what I would say to you, if you find yourself in that boat, either left or, like I said, slightly distanced, what I would say to you is this. I would say don't let someone push you away from the one. And don't leave everything because of something. Because even though someone may have pushed you away or given you bad information, Jesus never does. Whoop, there we go. John chapter 6, verse 37. 
says this. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. So what I'm saying to you, if you've distanced yourself, consider this series as an invitation to you to just step back, just inch a little bit closer, knowing that the one who comes to me, Jesus says, no matter what the reason was that you left, no matter what the reason, what's going on in your life or how far you've gone, the one who comes to me, I'll by no means cast out. Somebody may have pushed you away, but Jesus never pushes anyone away who comes to him in sincerity of heart. So let me invite you, like I said, to rethink your position, to take a step back towards God, to come be part of his eternal family. Not because we're perfect and because we got it all figured out because everyone here is perfect. That's not why I'm telling you. But what I'm saying is life is hard and life is challenging. And life is a little bit easier though when we go through those challenges together as part of God's eternal family with one another, brothers and sisters, and if you look at the life of Christ, Jesus came exactly for this purpose. Jesus came to clear up the misconceptions about God, to show people who thought that they were not acceptable to God. No, they were acceptable. To show people who thought they were too far to come back. No, you're never too far to come back. To people who thought, I'm dead. I got no hope. Jesus said, no, there's hope. There's always hope in Christ. And the way we find hope is through truth. And Jesus came to reveal the truth about who God is and about who we are. That's what he did. He would meet someone. He would reveal the truth about who God is. And then he would cut to the heart and reveal the truth about them. And what I'm going to do here today in the finale of this series, the last three weeks, we've been kind of doing that first part. We've been talking about truth about God, about who God is and how God operates and what it is that God wants from us. We've been looking at the God aspect. Today, I'm going to be a little bit brave. I'm going to be a little bit bold here today. Remember how I said in the beginning of this series, you, ha you can't hate me until the end of this series? Well, today, I'm going to give you a reason to hate me because today, I'm not going to talk about God. I'm talking about you. I'm gonna talk about me. I'm gonna talk about us. And I wanna talk about not the truth about God. I wanna talk about the truth about us because last week, if you were here, I ended the message with a kind of bold statement. And I said that when you come back here today, I wanna to share the real reason that I think people walk away from God. I wanna share the real reason. I'm gonna tell you right off the bat that it's not what people say. And let me make that even personal. I wanna share the reason that I think you may have distanced yourself from God a little bit over this past year, over this past two years, or ever since you had a baby, or ever since you moved to whatever, or ever since you broke up, or ever since you got, I wanna share the real reason I think that you distance yourself, and I'm gonna tell you right off the bat that I don't think it's necessarily the reason that you think it is. Because I think oftentimes, I think oftentimes we make a decision and then we find the reason after. I think oftentimes we have a decision made and then we just look for reasons to justify. And I think this is no, no different right here. So today, here's what we're going to do. Like I said, I'm being courageous and I'm being bold right here. And I might offend some people here, but it's okay. Next week is 4th of July. I won't be here. So if you hate me, that's okay. Okay. But I want to I ask you for something today. Okay. And I want to ask you for something for the next 35 minutes that we're together. After these 35 minutes, you don't need to do this again. For the next 35 minutes, I'm going to ask you to... Uh-oh. My thing's not working here. A little help in the back. Sorry. Yeah. I want to ask you to be honest. Click. Be honest. <laughs> you can just click it for me if you don't mind. Yeah. Be honest. Okay. I'm going to ask you to be honest. And when I say be honest, I don't just mean be honest by telling the truth. Uh-oh. We're going the wrong direction. I mean to be honest with, who's the hardest person to be honest with? With yourself. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we need to go back several. Okay. I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. And why I'm saying this is a hard thing, yeah, there we go. I, I think I can get it. There we go. Be honest with yourself. 
Why I'm saying this with the heart is a hard thing because think about it. Anytime someone says, be honest with yourself, the end result of that conversation is usually something that you don't like. Be honest with yourself usually ends with, I need to apologize or I need to fix this or I need to be held accountable for this. Be honest with yourself is something that usually ends with me not liking how this situation is. So that's what I'm gonna ask you to do. And the reason why is because of what I believe, let's take our luck here. Nope, sorry, we didn't get it again. Click again for me in the back if you don't mind. Because I believe this to be a true about all life, not just the spiritual life. I believe you agree with me about this. Self-deception always takes us in a bad direction. That's as close to rhyming as I could get it, okay? It's not 100%, but it's close. Self-deception always takes us in a bad direction. Anybody disagree with this sentence? Anyone look back and say, you know what? It was really good that I lied to myself for that period, okay? It was really good that during college I was not honest with myself. That put me in a much better position, that I was dishonest with myself about my true motivations, that I'm much better off that way. In any aspect of life, you know this. You are better off. You will make better decisions when you have better data. And better data requires honesty. And in case you're not convinced, ask yourself this question. How many people in this room here today could say the following sentence? My life would be different today if so-and-so was honest with themselves. How many people could say that? How many people could say, you know what, my life, how different my life would be if my dad just admitted the truth that he had a problem. If my mom just took ownership of her bad decisions as opposed to blame everybody else. How many of us can say that our lives would be better if others around us stopped deceiving themselves and was honest with themselves? Well, since we all want honesty from others, I'm gonna challenge you to give it to yourself. So with that said, that was my introduction. I know it was a long introduction, but it was important. Everybody agree with me? We're gonna be honest with ourselves for this next 30 minutes here. Honest with ourselves. Everyone agree? Okay, Leesburg, y'all agree over there? We're gonna be honest with ourselves. Everybody listening is gonna be honest with themselves. Okay, with that, let's jump into our message right here. There is a author whose name is Thomas Nagel. Anyone ever heard of this guy, Thomas Nagel? He wrote, he's an atheist guy who wrote a book which is titled Mind and Cosmos. Okay, and if you're looking for a, a nice book to read on the summer at the beach, okay, listen to the subtitle of this book. Why the materialist neo-Darwinian conception of nature is almost certainly false. I'm hooked. <laughs> like that's exactly what I was looking for in the bookstore about neo-Darwinian, whatever it may be. And the subtitle itself is enough to hook anybody. But basically what he says in this book, I'll give you the summary of it, is basically what he says, he's an atheist, but he's kind of calling out other atheists, especially the scientific kind. Because what he's saying is, is that atheists accuse Christians of doing something and they end up doing the same thing. So oftentimes what you hear from the atheists is say, Christians don't, uh, don't, don't, don't have any reason for anything. And anytime they don't understand anything, they just say, God did it. So why this happened, God did it. And why it happened, God did it. And they just say God did it. And we talked about this last week. For anything we can't understand, we just say God did it. Well, what he's saying is scientists, a lot of them are kind of doing the same thing. And anytime we can't explain something, we just say, oh yeah, that's natural selection. Oh yeah, that's natural selection. But what his point is, is there's a lot of stuff. He's an atheist. There's a lot of stuff that natural selection doesn't explain. And he talks about things like value and meaning and purpose, okay? Anyway, that's not really what I want to talk about. But this guy who wrote this famous book wrote another book called The Last Word. And in it, I wanna show you a quote. Again, he is not a believer in God, but he says something that this is, this is again one of those people that I disagree with, but I respect tremendously. 
because he made a shocking confession, which I believe is true about every single one of us. Listen to what he says right here. He says, I want atheism to be true. I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It's interesting. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. This is a shocking ad admission right here because you realize what he's saying? What he's saying is there's science and there's data and there's facts, but then there's something else, which is what? Which is want and desire and agenda and bias. It's not all science. It's not all facts. And no, 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 no one would admit this. No, 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 we walked away from God because the facts say this. No, no, we walked away from God because of this. No, 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 what this guy's saying is, and if we're honest, all of us, there's an element of bias. There's an element of want. And, and sometimes, again, like I said earlier, we want something to be true, so we kind of decide it, and then we find the reason later. Said another way, I think there's a difference between I don't believe and I don't want to believe. There's a difference between I don't go to church versus I don't want to go to church. There's a difference between I'm not close to God and I don't want to be close to God. I know many people who have walked away from God. Many people. In my line of work, this is what you kind of deal with. I know many people who have walked away from God. I don't know one person who has told me the following story. I've heard many stories. I've never heard the following story. I never heard a story that says, I believed in God. I was close to God. I was a devout believer. And then I read the book of Genesis chapter one, and I didn't get the six days. I didn't think it was true, so I walked away from everything. I never heard that. I never heard anyone say, you know what? I was in the church and I was serving in the church and I was devout. And then all of a sudden I read a paper on evolution and it convinced me that, that, that uh, church is a hoax and everything. And I walked away. That's never once happened. The reason that people walk away from church, I'm taking my life in my hands right here. The reason that people walk away, if we're honest, is not because we have reason to as much as because it's become inconvenient. The lifestyle, the decisions I would have to make, the sacrifices I would have to make have become inconvenient. And sometimes we just need a reason for it. And what most people would say is, it's not that I want to walk away forever, but it's just a right now in my life, you know, it's just a difficult season in my life. It's just a time where things are busy. So you know what? I just need a little bit right now. And, but you know that you can't say that. It doesn't make you look good. So yeah, it's the Genesis thing. Oh no, it's the Noah's Ark thing. Oh no, it's the Christian hypocrites thing. Even though we go everywhere we go on life, we don't judge any place on the planet by whether or not there's hypocrites there. We don't decide to go to the doctor whether or not there's hypocrites there. We don't decide to go to the football game if there's hypocrites there. But somehow at church, that's the place. We often make a decision and then we look for reasons to justify it. You know what this is called, right? This is called confirmation bias. You know what this is because this is what every one of us does. I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm saying this is all of us. We're all in the same boat. Confirmation bias means you search for data to confirm what you already believe to be true. You make your decision and then you look for the data to prove it. Let's see, is there an area where we can look at where this is common and very prevalent? Let me think, how about politics? 
Anybody on the planet, anybody on the planet, and I would invite you, if this is you, please come tell me, because I asked this question. Anybody on the planet watch the presidential debates without already having made up their mind? We don't watch the debates and say, oh, that was a good point by him, or that was, we don't watch. We've already made up our minds, and we are just going to figure out more reasons that we already made this decision. That's why they're a waste of time. Ain't nobody listening to say, oh, that was a very valuable point. My whole life and my entire social media feed, I was bashing this person, but he made a strong point and switched my vote. It's a waste of time. And you know me, I don't know anything about politics, but I know the world of sports. Look, in the world of sports, I like to watch sports talk shows. I don't watch the political ones. I watch the sports ones. Those are much more enjoyable to me. And the debate here is not between Republican and Democrat, but the debate today for the basketball is Michael Jordan or LeBron James. And look here, what all the evidence that you want, if you think Michael Jordan's the best, nothing LeBron does can prove it. And if you think LeBron's the best, nothing, like you've already made up your mind. And it's just a matter of finding evidence to prove what you already believe. This is what we do as human beings. So let's go back to God. And I'm going to ask you a question. Like I said, I know I'm going to offend people today, but it's the finale. So I don't care if you come back at this point because the series is over. And next week we're going to start something different. I'm going to ask you this question. Did your decision to walk away precede the data that you now use to support it? Did your decision to walk away, to distance yourself, precede the data that you now use to support it? If the issue is data, no problem. That's what I'm saying is walk away for the right reasons. No problem. Someone say, I can't believe the validity of the gospels. Okay, no problem. Let's have a seat. Let's look at it. We will figure this out. Like we'll have lunch together and we'll solve it because those are facts on a piece of paper. Uh, I can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, come sit. Let's have a discussion. Might take two sessions. Okay, but that's fine. You read this. I'll, I'll read what you want. And you read what I want. And we'll solve it. Like anything you want. No problem. Well, they go to a church that uh, just showed up. No, the validity of the church been around from the first century. Okay, let's talk. But if the problem is I don't want, nothing nobody says can, can convince you. If it's an element of agenda and will and hope, and like that guy said, I don't want it to be true. Well, I don't want it. There's nothing anybody can do about that. There's a smart guy named Blaise Pascal. Y'all heard of this guy, right? Okay, he was a French guy who was a, watch this resume, a mathematician, a physicist, an inventor, a philosopher, a writer, and a theologian. Yeah, he goes to the front of every resume line right there. He lived in the 17th century, and he says this, something that I think is very insightful. He says, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. That's, can I be honest? This is all of us. This is all of us. Because nobody in the morning, let's be honest, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, today, my goal is truth to discover the truth and on a quest for truth today. You know what we wake up in the morning we say we want? What do you want? I just want to be happy. I just want convenience. I just want ease. Well, from the moment we wake up, the clothes we put on, the places that we go, the beverages we consume, the food we consume, everything in our life is geared around this idea of making myself comfortable, making my life a little bit easier. I deserve it, I earned it. Nobody's on a quest to find truth. People are on a quest for comfort and convenience. And in case you think you're the exception, let me ask you another question. Like I said, today I'm meddling, today I'm poking. Have you ever, be honest, be honest with yourself. Have you ever been in an argument and known that you're wrong and still continue to argue? No pointing, okay. I saw a couple of people pointing here. <laughs> 
Have you ever been in an argument where you knew you were wrong and yet you continue to argue? What's that? What's that? That's not truth. That's not right and wrong. That's will. That's stubbornness. That's I want this to be true. St. Augustine says, we love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. We love the truth in certain times. Other times we don't, but the criteria is not truth and not truth. If we're honest, the criteria is what we want and what we want to accomplish. If you've ever been in a situation where something you know is true, but you refuse to acknowledge it, then I would say there's something else in the mix. Like I said, it's will, it's agenda, it's bias. And I see that so many times when it comes to the situation with God. We say evolution, we say Genesis, we say the Jonah and the whale thing, we say the hypocrites thing, say whatever it is you want to say. I believe a lot of people walk away from God because they don't want to be with God. And you can come up with whatever, but the truth of the matter is it comes down to want. Now, in case you're wondering, why would anyone want to walk away from God? If you are close to God, you're thinking to yourself, why would anyone want a life without hope? Why would anyone want a life with, without promise of freedom and without power? Why would anyone want that? Well, again, let's go a little bit deeper. I think I know the reason. And I think if you're honest, you'd probably agree with me. You know why people would not want there to be a God, even though they probably think there is one, but I don't want there to be? Because if there's a God, there's also accountability. And this has been a problem with humanity since the very beginning of time. We don't like accountability. We don't like accountability. We like to be our own boss. We like to run our show. We like autonomy and independence, at least the illusion of autonomy. Go back to the very beginning. Go back to the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden. They were free. Do whatever they want. Look at here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So God gave to Adam all the food, all the earth, all the creation, all the animals. He gave him, he gave him, he gave him, he gave him. And he didn't stop giving, 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 giving. But you know that the way life works is with every gift comes responsibility and accountability. It's kind of like a scholarship. If I give you a scholarship, you have to do something with it. And if you don't maintain the 2.0, then you lose the scholarship. Every gift comes with accountability. There's no such thing as a gift without responsibility. You know this to be true. Adam had the same thing. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. So he gave him a job. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Gift, accountability. This is the way life works. This is not anything unique right here. This is the way it is at work. You have responsibilities. If you do them, you get a reward. But if you don't do them, there's accountability. Same thing in school. Same thing in marriage. Same thing in society. Same thing with driving. This is how life works. There has to be accountability. But somehow when it comes to God, we don't want accountability. We want to be able to do whatever we want. And we don't want anyone to hold us accountable to it. That's why, again, if you ask me, a lot of times you have discussions with people who are just like atheists and talk about, sometimes they argue against themselves without even realizing it. That's why atheism doesn't really hold 
any, 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 any logical or philosophical merit to it, okay? It's just people who don't want to believe. Because sometimes you hear the following sentence. You say, how can I believe in God who judges and sends people to hell? How can I believe in God who judges and sends people to hell? And then the next sentence will be, how can I believe in God who allows so many bad things to happen to good people? And where's the fairness and where's the justice? And you're like, hello, you're arguing opposite each other. Because you say that you want there to be justice, but you don't want there to be accountability in hell. Like you don't, you don't want there to be a punishment, but you also don't want there to be inequity. Like which one is it? Do you understand what I'm saying right here? Is that if there's God, there's accountability. And sometimes because we don't want accountability, the easier route is just to get rid of God. And I won't go even further. I'm going to say it's not just God. I'm going to say without, without accountability, there can be no relationship between any two people. There can be no relationship without accountability. Adam and Eve wanted the gift of God, but not the accountability. It doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as a gift without the accountability. And I'm saying it's not just with God. How could a marriage work if there's no accountability? Could a marriage work? I can do whatever. I, my wife is shaking her head no like that. Okay, very, very adamantly shaking. Okay, looks like we have a conversation on the way home. Okay, no, there can't be. It can't be I just do whatever I want and you just have to accept me and you just have to cook for me. You have to clean for me and I have no accountability. I'll be honest. I've always said this. I don't know how non-Christian marriage works. I don't know how Christian marriage that's not Christian, I don't know how it works. Because the only reason that Marianne and I, she's the best, and I'm not so bad myself, but the only reason that we got what we got going on is because in the end, we have a neutral third party who solves every argument. You know who that is? It's God. Because in the end, I'm not trying to just do what I want. She's not doing what she wants. Each, I know I'm accountable to God. And I know God is going to say, that's my daughter. And how you treat her, we're going to have a word. Okay, that's why I know my, who my true father-in-law is. But that's why I heard true mother-in-law as well, okay? It's up there. So she's going to have to answer. So there has to be accountability. There's no such thing as a relationship without accountability. And I'm telling you, accountability is good for us. Let's say children. Let's say I take uh, my children, okay? One time I took my kids. We had to pick up wine for communion, okay? And I had my kids with me. Anyway, so I had to go to the Wegmans thing and the wine thing. I didn't know there's like a bazillion bottles of wine, okay? And if you've seen the thing in the Wegmans, it's just like a billion bottles. And I had my kids with me, and they were young, Probably wasn't the smartest thing, but I'm saying that's how, you know. In the end, I needed my kids to say, okay, stay right here. I'm going to go over here or whatever. So I needed my kids there. But I had to tell them, if you touch anything, you will be killed today. Because <laughs> I saw the price tag on some of those bottles. They are better served knowing that there's accountability. Like they are better off. Had there been no accountability and, you know, like let's play catch, like no. Their life is better because of accountability. And I believe the same is true for all of us. And I think, like I said, back to God. You may say it's science. You may say Genesis. You may say the hypocrites thing. But if we're honest, a lot of us, we don't want God in our life because if we admit God, we have to submit to God. We don't want that. At least not now. I'm living my life now. I'm young. I'm single. I want to kind of live... I want to live with my girlfriend, so I don't need God in my life right now. So yeah, let's go with the hypocrite thing. That one seems to fly pretty well. You know what? I'm just building my career right now, so I don't got time for God. So yeah, let's go with the science thing. That's a good one right there, and just blame the science thing. And, and we make a decision of what we want, and then we look for the reason later. And the truth is, that's not how it works. Let's go back to this idea of no accountability. If I say, no God, and I don't want accountability, does that truly mean that there's no accountability? 
Like what I call it is the illusion of autonomy. If I believe that I am autonomous, does that make me autonomous? Like if I believe that I am my own country right here and I answer to no one, does that make me my own country? Just because you don't want accountability doesn't mean that you don't have it. It just means you won't be ready when it happens. Just because you don't believe in the final exam, and just because you don't believe that the teacher's gonna walk back in the room, doesn't mean that the teacher's not gonna walk back in the room. It just simply means that you will not be prepared when it happens. Let me show you some verses right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This isn't my opinion. This is what St. Paul is saying, that each one will appear. There is accountability. Next verse, Romans 14, 22. So then each of us, each of us shall give account of himself to God. It has to be accountability. There's no such thing as no accountability in any aspect of life. Next verse, Hebrews chapter four, verse 13. There's no creature. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Look, I am not trying to guilt anyone today. Can anyone who knows me knows I'm not the fire and brimstone guy like I'm not saying, but I'm just trying to be honest. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. All I want you is to be honest with yourself. The fact that you don't want there to be accountability doesn't mean there's no accountability. Just because you desire there to be no God doesn't mean there is no God. Just because you desire that, that you can live however you want to live doesn't mean that you can. It only means that you won't be ready when the accountability takes place. Now, before I ruin the series entirely and undo everything I've done over the past three weeks, let me steer the ship around here and make a, a sharp right turn and let's end on a positive note here. The good news is that if you have distanced yourself for whatever reason, stated or unstated, if you have stepped a little bit away, and you kind of made it. the good news for you, it's like I said in the beginning, I'm not saying, if you're here, I'm not saying I need you to go over there. I'm not saying, all I'm saying, all I want you to do is just turn the boat around. Stay exactly where you are. Turn the boat around. Because the beautiful thing about God is, even if you're behind, you don't have to like catch up. Because all of us are in the same boat. All of us are in the same place. And that's why we said as a church, no, it's not about who's perfect and who's good. And you're like, what? It's not about ranks. It's not like some people are good and some people are bad. All we are as a church is a group of people who's all kinds of messed up, got all kinds of problems. But all we want to be is people who's going this direction, is facing this direction. That's all I'm asking for you. I'm not asking you to change your life and get it all together and get it all together by next Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. All I would invite you to do is for those who, like I said, stepped away. All I want to invite you to do is just turn the direction around and just be pointed in the right direction. And if you do that, I have good news for you. The good news is this. The most famous verse in Christianity, John chapter three, verse 16, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a part of this verse that is so beautiful that maybe you've never really focused on or meditated on, and that is the expression, loved the world. And I'm making this stuff as I'm going, I'm making this up as I'm going along here, but stick with me. Let's say John the evangelist, when he was writing his verse, sat down and he said, you know what? I want to put the summary of the gospel in a verse. And he started to write, for God so loved. And then he paused. And maybe Peter was standing over his shoulder and he said, right, God so loved us. Loved us, his people. And John was going, no, it's not just us. Uh, right, God so loved the godly people. Write that, write that, the good people. God so loved the Jewish people. God so loved the people who believed in him. God so, 
And John was like, hmm, those just, yeah. I think there's a little bit more to it. And he said, God so loved the world. And do you know who fits in the world? The good people and the bad people. The sinner people and the righteous people. The people who worship me and the people who hate me. And God so loved every single one of them that he sent his only begotten son. So here's the answer to the question of like, why would God, a loving God, send people to hell? Why would God send people to hell? Why would God send people to hell? That's a bad question. Because you know what God sent? He sent his only begotten son to save us. If somebody's drowning in the pool or in the ocean and the lifeguard jumps in to save him and the guy fights the lifeguard and the lifeguard gives him the little the rafty thing, okay, the circle thing, and the guy throws it away and, and the lifeguard gives him the jacket and he sticks a knife in the jacket and the thing explodes. And the lifeguard tries and he pushes the lifeguard away. And then the lifeguard gets back to the, the sea or to, to the land. You're going to say, you did a bad job, lifeguard. How come you didn't love the guy? Anyone going to blame that lifeguard? No. God loved the world so much that he sent his son to be the lifeguard and to save us all and to bring us all, not just into heaven after we die. We talked about this before. More importantly, into a relationship with him, into his father's bosom now while we live. God didn't just care about heaven and hell. God cares about us today, here, every single day, and he wants us to be in his bosom as part of his eternal family because he knows that life out there is difficult and being part of his family gives us stuff that we don't have outside. What does that mean? Let me give you a couple. Uh, if I accept God, okay, I accept accountability, but I accept more than accountability. If I accept God, I accept forgiveness. Because you know with God, there's always a second chance. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad, no matter how many mistakes, St. Paul says that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still people who was, who was walking in the wrong direction, he gave himself for us. With Christ, I also accept help. Help meaning, as St. Peter says, that you cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. So no matter how challenging life is and how difficult life is, and the challenge isn't going to go away, but the question is whether you're going to do it by yourself or you're going to do it with the help of the almighty God on your side. Number three, peace. When you accept him, you accept not just accountability, but you accept peace. Because in him, there's reconciliation with God and we find peace for our souls. See, so often in life, like I said in the beginning, with God, there's accountability. But so often we focus on the negative without the positive. It's like thinking about marriage and say, with marriage, there's accountability. And with marriage, there's chores. And with marriage, why would anyone get married? You gotta do chores. Why do you get married? You got to pick up milk on the way home. Why do you get married? You got to, you know, deal with somebody who leave their shoes or throw their towel. Why do you want to get married? Yeah, marriage has all those things, but it also has lots of other good stuff, okay? And if we focus, and same thing with God, if we focus only on the responsibility of it versus the big picture of it, nobody gets married thinking to themselves, I'm going to have to pick up my shoes now. You get married thinking of all the good stuff. And yeah, it comes with accountability, but it comes with so much more. One person who was away from God, and he was really away from God. Like, you think you're bad, you think you distance. St. Paul, before he had made his conversion, he was really heading the wrong direction. And he was, as far as the spectrum goes, like he was off the stage. He was that far. Because he made it his one mission in life to kill anybody who believed in Christ. That was his mission. That's bad. Like, you made mistakes, I made mistakes, but I never reached that point of making a mistake. And he was all the way at the end there. And then one day, Christ appeared to him came face to face. You know what Jesus said to St. Paul when he, when he appeared to him? He said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, what he's saying is, why are you so angry? 
What did I do to you? Why do you hate me so much? And maybe for the first time in Saul's life, maybe for the first time he, he was honest with himself. Because what do you say? Well, you're people and they're this, this, that. Why are you so angry? What did I do to you? And that's kind of my prayer for this series. Is that this series would be an eye-opener and say, hey, why are you so angry? Why are you walked away? I know what you say. What's the real reason? God, because he loved St. Paul, he did what any loving dad would do. He smacked him on the face. He blinded his eyes. You know why? So he could open up this eye. Sometimes that's what God does when he loves you. He closes this eye to open this eye. That's what he did. He said, Paul, why are you so angry? He says this here, Acts 9, 5. He says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Do you know what this expression, hard to kick against the goads? Okay, a goad is like a metal ball with spiky things. Okay, so like imagine like a, a metal sphere with these metal spikes coming out of it. And you can imagine if you touch the metal spike, it's like, ouch. If you wound up and kicked the thing as hard as you could, like you, you're not damaging the spike. You're only damaging yourself. And that's what St. Paul is, is what Jesus is telling St. Paul. It's kind of like an expression we say today is like, why do you keep hitting your head against the wall? The harder I hit my head against the wall, the wall ain't going anywhere. Okay, you can smash your head against that wall. It ain't going to be any problem. The problem is going to be myself. Why are you doing that to yourself? And that's what I want to say, anyone who's walked away, anyone who's walked away, why are you doing that to yourself? What's the reason that you're saying, but what's the true reason? Why you did that? And St. Paul didn't go from there to there. But what St. Paul did on this day, he made a U-turn. And he began to walk, and he, all the way at the front of the line that way now, but not on this one day. All he did there is turned around. And that's all I'm asking you to do. You distance yourself during this time. I get it. COVID was a tough time. I get it. You had lots of reasons. I get it. You distance yourself. Come back. Some, you read an article and you use that. That's fine. I get it. Let's talk. Because there's too many people who I feel, unfortunately, have left. And I think they did it for the wrong reason. You know, when you're five years old or six years old, running away from home sounds like a cool idea until you're actually outside the home. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't seem as much fun. And I feel like the same is true with the church. Seems like a good idea sometimes to run away from home, run away from our family. They're all mean over there. It's all hypocrites over there. They believe funny stuff over there. Seems like a good idea. But my fear is that someday life catches up and we may regret that decision. I want to leave you guys with two verses from James chapter 4. Three verses, I should say. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Therefore submit to God. Therefore, submit to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, heart, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded sounds kind of offensive. It's not saying it in like a rude way like you. Hypocrite's not saying that way. But he's saying is, be honest with yourself. That's what he's saying right here is be honest. Okay, stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. Be honest with yourself. Say the real reason. And as I'm trying to wrap up this series and I got to somehow land this plane right here, I'm trying to think to myself like what I want you to leave with. And this is what I think what God would want us to leave with is submit to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Be honest with yourself. Stop being double-minded. And the result of that, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. 
and that expression, he will lift you up, I want to intentionally not explain what it means because I want you to discover what it means. Because I think that when we turn to God, when we turn to God, he will find a way to lift us up. And what that means, I don't know, but I know I want it. And I know you want it too. And my prayer as we wrap up is that we would stop hiding behind excuses. That we would be honest with ourselves and realize that the decisions we make today will be decisions that we're going to live with the consequences for a long time to come. So we're going to be honest with ourselves. And we're going to turn this boat around. And we don't know what we're going to do because we are in a bad situation and we may whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you come. Doesn't matter. All we want is to turn this thing around, submit to God, and he will lift you up. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we stand before you, we submit ourselves in front of you. And Lord, we ask that you would lift us up. We ask that you would draw us closer to you. Those, Lord, who have, who have strayed or maybe taken steps internally, Lord, pray that you'd help us to get the ship turned around and get us back on the right track, Lord. Because in the end, all we want is to be close to you and be inside your bosom for all of eternity. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints, here says we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.